Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? Welcome to Senior Living Connecticut, a show that explores solutions for Connecticut's families and adults striving for the best in senior living. I'm Bill Corbett, manager at Evergreen Crossings Independent Senior Living and author of the book, The 2.0 Entrepreneur. And I'm Hollis Hartman, sales director of Harbor Chase of Evergreen Walk, memory, care, and assisted living. Every episode, we sit down with industry area subject matter experts to find out what they've learned along the way so that we can share it with our listeners. Prostate cancer is the most common cancer among men after skin cancer, of course, but it can often be treated successfully. If you have prostate cancer or are close to someone who does, knowing what to expect can help you cope. So because of that, we're meeting with Dennis Golden today's show, a three-time cancer survivor known as the Prostate Cancer Coach. He's the founder and the CEO of the National Prostate Cancer Awareness Foundation, and he and a team of coaches offer guidance and clarification to men and their partners who are often at a loss when faced with the challenging and emotion decisions uh, that surround the prevention, detection, and treatment of prostate diseases. Thank you for being on the show today, Dennis. Well, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate being here. Your statement is that you say that why good health can ruin a man's life. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, you know, men have a tendency, unlike women, uh, to go to not go to doctors. And I think I saw a statistic several years ago that said that about 60 to 70 percent of men really don't like to visit doctors uh, on an annual basis or going for annual checkups. So guys, why is, so- that, pri- is that pride? Uh, it, I'm well, fine. I'm fine. Well, it goes back to something deeper. I think, you know, when women reach puberty, uh, they go into a whole different uh, set of doctors that they meet with. And so that you move from a pediatrician into a whole different realm of medical care. For men, what happens is when you reach puberty, you say, well, the baby doctors are behind me and I don't have to do any of that anymore. So in the, the medical field, if you will, there's no real support for men. And the other side of it is men are always taught to be brave, be tough, don't cry. So all of those things are signs of weakness. So when you're going in and uh, into a doctor's office, that's somewhat of a sign of I'm weak, I'm not a man anymore. So it's it's a macho thing in some ways. And the guys really assume that if they're running and jogging and eating properly, they're in great health, and maybe they're not. Interesting, interesting. Uh, so you say that the uh, the difference between men and women is not what you think. Uh, that's correct. <laughs> uh, women, uh, first of all, uh, outlive men significantly uh, because they are going in for medical care. And men, you know, women w- also uh, will talk, among other women, about problems that they're having, physical problems or family problems. On the other side of it, you have men who are these uh, silos, if you will, of silence. We don't want to say anything. We're a macho. Mm. So that whole macho attitude, the whole male I'm the strong one in the family. I'm supporting, uh, you know, everything around me. Nothing, nothing bothers me. Really, does not work well for men when it comes to any type of medical issue. You've got probably in the United States uh, well over three million men living with prostate cancer. You have about thirty-five thousand men die annually in the United States from prostate cancer. And this year, you're probably going to have about 260,000 men diagnosed with prostate cancer for the first time. Now, you started the prostate, uh, the National Prostate Cancer Awareness Foundation? 
That's correct. One of the things I, after I had uh, developed a, an aggressive case of prostate cancer, and I was one of these guys that was going into a doctor's office all the time, and uh, they didn't think I had prostate cancer, but suggested I go in for a little more testing, and suddenly I was facing a, an extremely aggressive case. Had surgery, and, and when I came back from the surgery, I, I found that Looking at support items, I found that there were organizations that said, if you have prostate cancer, these are the things we can help you through. And then well, I saw, by then it's too late. By then it's too late, exactly. Yeah. And then the other is those organizations that were doing research and saying, well, these are all the things about prostate cancer. But nobody was saying to men between the ages of 40 and the ages of, of and up, if you will, about what are some of the things you should be aware of. And what guys don't realize, and many and many of their partners don't realize, is that prostate cancer is asymptomatic. It, it does not show any symptoms when it's highly treatable. So guys say, hey, I'm in great shape, and really you're not. Mm. So the first mistake that men make is what? Basically uh, ignoring? Basically ignoring it. Guys will live through anything. I, I was out to dinner uh, with a couple uh, about a week or two ago. And the fellow came in with a big bandage on his hand. And uh, I said, what happened? He said, oh, I was out uh, construction. And he said, I had a nail gun and uh, drove a nail through my hand. <laughs> and I said, um, so what did you do? He said, well, I just pulled it out. He said, did you go to the doctor? <laughs> no, I didn't go to the doctor. So guys don't want to admit they need medical care at any, at, at any level. And when they do that, they're really putting themselves at risk. Hmm. So silence is definitely not a cure, right? I always say silence is 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 not a cure for for cancer. Interesting. Uh, so you say that men die earlier than women, and um, tell me more about that. Well, the reason for it is number one, as I said earlier, that they don't talk about it. And uh, I was at a, uh, a, a a research program where we were interviewing men and their partners and their physicians. And what we were finding is that men would say one thing to their doctors, they would say one thing to nurses, but they would not say what actually was happening, but they would talk to their spouses about it. So when you interviewed the spouses, you found out what the men really were feeling, how sick they were or how ill they were or how concerned they were. So guys constantly try to keep that information quiet. They don't want anybody to know that I'm vulnerable, I'm weak, I'm not as strong. And... You know, I always say that, you know, strong men talk about their, their problems rather than hiding them. What can spouses do to encourage their, the man in their life to, to step up and move forward? I, I think one of the things that if you try to force a man to do something, that's not going to work. But if you kind of say to a man, you know, you know as, as, a, as a husband, as a provider, what are your responsibilities? They say, well, it's to take care of my family, it's to provide income. So you do all of that, and then you say to them, well, what happens if you lose, when your grandchildren lose a grandfather, or they lose a father, or suddenly now we don't have support in the family, financial support, emotional support? What do I do as a wife suddenly finding myself now alone in the world? You have a responsibility, don't you, sir? Hmm. So you set it up that way rather than you have to go to the doctor. If you don't go to the doctor, I, I'm, I'm going to drag you in the car. Hounding that, that doesn't re- work. Hounding doesn't work, and guys get real, real berating. Uh, exactly, feel exactly. <laughs> it is interesting how many more women we see in senior living than men. It's interesting, isn't it? And national statistics will show that. 
that women are far more aware. They talk about health issues more. They will talk to girlfriends about it. Get a bunch of guys together, and no one will say, I'm having issues below the belt. <laughs> and yet, starting at age 40, statistically, men start having issues, and they don't want to talk about it. They have problems in the bedroom. They don't want to talk about it. They're getting up many times at night. So they, they go uh, into the local drugstore, and they get all these over-the-counter drugs, and it works for a while, and it completely can hide all of the uh, the symptoms of prostate cancer, and it can also n- not have them diagnosed early enough to have it taken care of. What's the myth of the good cancer? The myth of the good cancer is that this is the cancer that men live with and die from something else. And as I said earlier, we've got about 35,000 men a year here in the United States dying of prostate cancer. That's not a myth. Think about Gillette Stadium. I think that holds 60,000 people. So if you think about every other seat in that stadium being empty, that's what you're dealing with on, on an annual basis with men dying wow. of cancer. Wow. Um, and you say, what's the check engine light? Check engine light is, you know, if you're driving along in your car, the check engine light goes on, what do yep. you do? You unscrew the bulb, and you say that's the end of it. It's fixed, right? <laughs> and what guys do with prostate cancer is exactly the same thing. If they get a warning that their PSA level, their prostate-specific antigen is high, then what they do is say, well, I don't need to worry about it because I don't feel any symptoms. I don't feel like anything is happening. The trouble with prostate cancer is when you start feeling it, then that disease is fairly advanced in your system. Much harder to treat, much harder to cure. Uh, I've been through prostate cancer twice. First time I went through was surgery. Several years later, I had to go back in for radiation. It's now my pro- my PSA levels are undetectable. Hmm. So we are talking with Dennis Golden, a three-time uh, cancer survivor uh, known as the prostate cancer coach. What do you do as a coach? Uh, we have a, actually, it's underwritten by the foundation. And what we do is we have a group of men who have had all different symptoms and treatments for prostate cancer. So if somebody comes through us through PCAAware.com, uh, .org, I'm sorry, uh, what we do there is that we will refer them to someone and you, we will have you on, uh, on a, a conference call, if you will, for anywhere from a half hour to 45 minutes at no charge. It's all underwritten by the foundation. So if you have questions or if a spouse says, how do I get my husband or my partner in? We try to coach them through and work with them. And it's all based on personal experiences. We don't give medical advice. So you're a resource, educational We're a resource. resource. Exactly. Hmm. And the more, I guess, the more that you inform, the less fear there is, the more likely you can encourage them to step forward. Uh, Once men realize their responsibility, and, and I think that's the thing. We, we really talk about men. We say, you know, you really need to step up to the plate. It's not enough to go to the gym. It's not enough to, you know, exercise and what have you. You really need to uh, take personal responsibility, go in and get yourself checked, get a blood test. There's nothing really to it. Some of the guys are concerned about a digital examination. And when they say they are, we say, just think about what your wife goes through in an examination far more intense than what you go through for the few minutes that you're involved. And you say there is a uh, genetic link between prostate cancer and breast cancer? It's the BRCA gene, and what's what they're finding is that particular gene, uh, if you are male and you have prostate cancer, you know, most say talk to your son about it, I talk to your grandsons about it, but now they're saying also talk to your daughters and granddaughters because that gene can pass through. And the same on the other side, if you have somebody in your family with, with breast cancer, 
your likelihood of getting prostate cancer, again, may be higher. So it's good to have some genetic testing. So if your mother had breast cancer, you may be wanting to check yourself a little more frequently. If my father had prostate cancer, do I have to automatically assume that I could get it as well? Your chances for prostate cancer go up dramatically. Dramatically. Okay. Well, we appreciate you taking time and coming out and talk with us, Dennis. Thank and you. Hopefully someone uh, needing it will find the National Prostate Cancer Awareness Foundation and look them up and get your contact information off of our website. And uh, once the podcast is there, and we appreciate people listening. Thank you very much again. We appreciate coming here. You've been listening to Senior Living Connecticut. I'm Bill Corbett from Evergreen Crossings Retirement. And I'm Hollis Hartman from Harbor Chase of Evergreen Walk. We hope that you will join us on the air every Saturday morning at 8.30 or listen to our podcast online at seniorliving-ct.com. Now, if you have ideas for future topics for our show, you can email us at seniorlivingct at gmail.com or give us a call at 860-327-8899. You've been listening to Senior Living Connecticut on the Talk of Connecticut. Connecticut.